What's up, fam? Welcome to another edition of Man to Man, a wellness series where we're chopping it up with other brothers to get their insight on how to go from hellness to wellness. I'm David Wazicki, your certified transformational nutrition coach. And today we're back again with another great brother to talk to. He's a global executive, certified yoga and meditation teacher, and honestly, so much more. Can't wait to get into this one. So please give it up for America's mental health motivator, the James Nicholas Kenny. What's up? Thank you, David. That's a great intro, man. I appreciate it. I feel motivated by you. Well, I'm, I'm here for you. We're here for each other, okay? We're going to exchange that energy, that good energy. And you said it. I mean, you said it off from the top before you even got on here. You said it off with some Erica Badu already picking up on that vibe. There are a lot of places to get started with this conversation. We're going to start it the way we start it with every conversation here around these man-to-man streets, and that's getting you man-to-man blue check certified. It's one question we ask every man that's yet to yield the same answer twice. You ready? Yeah, let's do it. All right, James, what does masculinity mean to you? To me, it means servant leadership, protection, and providing. I love that. I love that. To elaborate, if we look at energy as a commodity, if we could, and we would say that masculinity or femininity um, is energy, which I believe that it is. I'm, I can already tell from your aura that that's absolutely what you're channeling. But if masculinity was corn, to use an analogy, that it would be a physical manifested commodity. I think that the way that it shows up, right, if it were an energy, is that true masculinity is not fear, it's not anger, it's not a lot of those things that you would see in movies, television, music, and or even what we're taught, that it is about that servant leadership, and that is the role of masculinity in the world. And then the protecting and the providing piece, imagine a world where that was the emphasis and the clear definition of what masculinity is it would be astronomically different if men had that understanding from an early age and through the end of life, because there's not a time when it's not available. A man just has to step into it. You can be 55, you can be 75 or 85 or five, and you can step into what that energy could and should be like. James, I love it. Certified, absolutely. But I I, I love that. And I, I love that context because I know for myself, when, when you said you, you feel that from me and you're, you're picking up on my energy, I'm absolutely a believer in that, but it's taken time. It's taken time from where I started, how I was raised, the societal norms, quote unquote, if you will, that was put upon me of how I was supposed to think of how a man was supposed to be. And can you tell me where did this understanding begin for you? Where did this all start kind of unveiling itself for you? Mm. Well, one of the one of my favorite books that's helped me understand it is uh, David Data, Way of the Superior Man. Have you read it? I'm waiting to read it. It's in my it's in my book queue. I have a book queue. I'm too behind from that, but that one's coming up. Yeah, it's really powerful in terms of what masculine energy is when it's when it's deployed, how to harness it, how to develop it. 
I don't really think there's any other book like it. Um, I think the Bible also has a lot of remarkable stories and information, um, parables, proverbs, et cetera, on what masculinity and men could and should be. But for me, I think the story, I think started, I'm going to say in fifth grade, I was a child that was recognized for being different. And I was uh, recognized for being different in terms of my ability to speak, communicate, um, entertainment skills. And that's the first time that I recognized that I had an energy in a room that was potent and powerful. Um, mm -hmm. But due to childhood, childhood trauma, like a lot of us, and there's various forms of trauma, I always say there's like little micro T's, um, small T's, medium T's, and big T's. You know, a big T might be the death of a a loved one, right? Or a divorce and little, little, little micro T's. You can have a thousand of them and still have a lot of challenges in life. So I'm not trying to diminish the level of traumas that people have anyway. But for me, because of some of those traumas, I was pretty insecure and I didn't know it um, through not necessarily through the high school years, but I think I was recovering from trauma in the late twenties to early thirties. And it wasn't until I snapped out of those insecurities that I really started to be able to what I would say, like expand my heart chakra, open my chest and just be super comfortable with being like, I'm a full man, give zero and I'm just whole. And it was because I was healed. And I don't think a man can get to it unless they're really healed. So if you think about like DMX, I'm just gonna use one people, one, one person as an example. I mean, based off of his voice, based off of the dog bark, based based right. off of the chain and hip hop, you would be like, that is man, man, you know, Tretch from Naughty by Nature. You know, I kind of give these like Greek-like objects of, you know, super swole dudes that kind of exhibited that. But then when you look at DMX and the end of his life, you know, the, his addiction to crack and, and drugs without that healing, he would probably say from heaven right now that he never fully stepped into the masculinity that I think was possible, even with all of his success. Like, did you hear that audio clip at the end of the Andre 3000 and Kanye? Um, I forgot what that song was, but it was, it was a leak off of Donda with, with Andre 3000. Did, did, you, did you hear it? I know what you're talking about, but I'm, I'm curious what, what lyric. There's an audio clip at the end of DMX because I Googled it and I was like, who is that? And yeah. it was DMX encouraging one of his kids to jump in the pool. I mean, it makes me cry right now thinking about it because when you talk about the protector and the provider, bro, it was like, that is masculinity. It's not what we say in rap music. It's not guns in Chirac or in South Central, it was that. And man, that, that audio clip was powerful. Yeah, I have to go back to that one. I, I Now I know what you're you're talking about. Once you brought that particular moment yeah, up, I, yeah. Like I have chills because I, I recall it now. I mean, bro, it's, it's like, that is, that is, that is man. Absolutely. Even going beyond that. So we're talking about, you know, evolution, what a real man, quote unquote, you know, how we should be as an evolved man, I think is what you and I are trying to get at. There was something that happened, if you can share with us on your 30th birthday, mm -hmm. 
I think you label it like a crash and burn moment and it was possibly an aha moment. So I'd really love for you to go into that uh, storyline because I think it's very fitting for how this conversation is going so far. Yeah, alcohol was something that was readily available for me like it is for many people. And I had a lot of success in college as a musician and I was playing in four or five states touring while I was still in college at Oklahoma State. So when I graduated college and I stepped into the adult professional world or whatever, you know, alcohol was still something that was just, again, super regular. And I kind of call it an occupational hazard when you're playing in a band and you get free and unlimited drinks. So I did music on night and weekends and was fortunate enough to, you know, play all over the world and lots of different things like that. But on my 30th birthday, I, I went back to Austin, Texas, where is one of one of my homes and certainly my, my spiritual home. And I was at Austin City Limits Music Festival, and I'd been drinking for the three days during the festival. And on the fourth day when the festival was over, um, I just had a full bodily shutdown, severely dehydrated. And um, it felt like a seizure or a stroke um, is the mm. only way that I can kind of put it into context. But 30 is young. I mean, some of you who are 24 might be saying 30, that's so old. No, 30 is really young. Um, So on my 30th birthday, literally, God was like, aha, you know what I mean? Like, because like, how how do you go to the emergency room on your birthday? Now, this is where we get into the spiritual, David, because if you think about it, and again, you kind of do the aha, like Greek, Greek mythology, Jesus, Allah, however you want to talk about it, it's literally like, how are you going to go to the emergency room and almost die on your 30th birthday? Speaking to myself, bro, you must have some trauma that you have not worked out or worked through. Because this is a clear sign that you need to go in a different direction. And what, what happened is that I had been suppressing a lot through my journey of who I am, who I was supposed to be, 30 is heavy for a lot of people. And I'm really happy that you have this show because I've never seen a black male conversation about becoming 30. I do have a friend who has an almost 30 podcast and there's a lot of kind of, you know, societal funny stuff around. I want to be a millionaire by I was 30. I want to have my first bins by I was 30. I wanted to right. do all this stuff about that time that I was 30. But I got to 30 and I don't really think it had anything to do with alcohol now that I know what I know. I think I was dehydrated. I think I was tired. I think I was pushing the limits. But my 30th birthday going to the emergency room with the medical episode that I have. But um, I fully recovered. And from that day on, my life changed. I went through a three-year spiral of anxiety and depression. And I was fighting. I mean, I I had Satan on one shoulder, the, the devil on another shoulder. I had panic attacks. I had agoraphobia. Um, I did everything I could just to stay above water, man. It was it was real, real. I wouldn't wish it on anybody. But what that did, David, is that it allowed me to be the ad industries therapist that I am now. It allowed me to now become the founder of the Advertising Alliance for Mental Health. It has allowed me to serve 25,000 employees around the world and travel to 30 plus countries. It allowed me to do all the things that I am now being a global chief executive. If I hadn't have gone through that at 30, now at 45, I really don't believe 
I would be where I am. So I was able to turn that pain into profit. I was able to turn that pain into passion. I was able to turn that pain into purpose. And now I'm able to work with so many people across the world, black, non-black brothers and sisters of all types to help them really transform their lives. So that's what happened. And again, there was a reason for that season. Yeah. Um, powerful. And there's also a lot to unpack there because you mentioned, uh, you know, a few things that are heavy, that are a lot to deal with agoraphobia, uh, depression, anxiety. So let's rewind a little sure. bit when it comes to depression where and, and anxiety for that matter. I mean, we can throw in the agoraphobia too, which, you know, just for those listening and watching, ju just to understand it, that's when you are, you have like this extreme fear of being in open or crowded places. Is that mm -hmm. accurate? Yeah, that's correct. So you have this, you have depression, you have anxiety, you have all of this going on for three years. Where did it start where you said, oh, I need to do this. Oh, I can do that. Oh, these are the things. Mm -hmm. I'd, I'd love for you to speak on that. One of my favorite books and the first book that I read on my 50 book journey was uh, James Allen, As a Man Thinketh. And I highly recommend anyone who's watching this show, please read James Allen, As a Man Thinketh. He was a 19th century philosopher and uh, maybe 20th century, but a long time ago. <laughs> the book is in old, <laughs> old English, so it's kind of hard to read. Oh, wow. But he talks about something very simple and profound. And he says that the acorn becomes the oak tree. And it's remarkably powerful. Think of Eckhart Tolle, lots of different new age philosophers, old school philosophers. But when I say the acorn becomes the oak tree, I had a belief that at some point in my life in the future, I was going to be healed and I was going to be better. So if it wasn't for that faith of a mustard seed, acorn becomes the oak tree, whatever analogy that you want to say, even though I was completely messed up and I was completely not myself, I was a shell of myself. I knew deep down inside, you are not completely gone. You are not completely lost. Even though I literally can't see, you know how you're driving in the storm and the, your windshield wipers and you can't see, I, I couldn't see. I couldn't see tomorrow. I couldn't see next week, but I knew I was just holding on to that acorn. That acorn was like in my fist on lock. And I held on to that acorn the whole time. I had good days and I had bad days. I'm actually helping someone right now. And I gave them the, the formula that I use to help people. And uh, it's not one formula, there's many, but I'm helping someone right now. Sure. And I, and I talked to them about this, that it, there's a spiritual component, there's a physical component. So I walked every day. I lost 40 pounds. I mean, it was like a Rocky movie. I treated it like I had cancer which knock on wood, I don't, and I did not, and I will not. But I treated it like I had cancer. I, I read every book. I learned everything I could. I went to church every time the doors opened. I walked out in, in nature. I, I sat next to trees, talked to my mama, talked to my best friend, listened to a lot of music, Eric Badu, going back to, to that. But yeah. I went all out war on it. That was the only way to go. But I tried medication. Medication didn't work for me personally. I am an advocate for, uh, for uh, medit medication for those who need it. But I became a yoga teacher and a meditation teacher because I said, I need to have these, these skills and tools for me 
And then as I master these, I can then use them for other people. So the short of it is that it was a combination formula of a lot of things. But the one thing that I had is that acorn. And there was one pivotal moment. There was a pivotal moment where I was driving. I had both hands on the wheel. So you can kind of picture it like, like, like a movie. And I had both hands on the wheel and I was driving. And I said, James, I love you too much to continue on this path. You have to heal now. And it was almost like, and then, and you know what I'm saying? Like, I, I'm telling you, both hands on yeah. the wheel. I, and, and I, it was like, I, I was talking to me, James, I love you too much. And the acorn, bro. I mean, like, it sounds simple, but that is profound. Very, very. You effectively, in that, speaking to yourself, mm -hmm. you're affirming. You're course correcting. You're verbalizing. So you're speaking into action. There's just, in, in that one, you know, what some would see as just this little thing that you did is truly profound. I, I agree with you fully because this was your aha moment. This was your, this is what's going to happen, James. Speaking to James, this is what I'm going to do. This is what I'm no longer going to do. This no longer serves me. This is how I'm going to move forward. And then you put action behind that mm -hmm. thinking, right? Because, you know, a, a lot of times, I mean, I, I say, generally speaking, faith without action is just hope. It's a whole lot of hope whole lot of hope. <laughs> we got to put action behind that hope in order to make it something, make it tangible, put out there to whomever you believe in, whatever you believe in to say, hey, look at me. I'm actually doing the thing that you're empowering me to do. So I have faith that you're going to continue to guide me through it. You know, to your point, Buddha, Krishna, Allah, Jesus, whoever you or whatever source, higher power spirit that you want to put into that. That's your faith. You're willing to step out, literally step out on faith and put some action behind it. So, yeah, to me, I mean, that was powerful that that's you said it. <laughs> and so it is. And the action made it so. And, you know, to continue down this road, I'm, I'm intrigued about the 50 books that you mentioned. You said you had a 50 book journey. Was this intentional where you just where a number hit you and came to mind and said, 50 books it is. Yeah. So I literally wrote myself a prescription. And the, the person that I'm helping right now. I love it. I, I, I help a lot of people. I, I like that's literally what my purpose is now. I gave them the prescription. So when I when I spoke to them, I'm like, yo, I'm gonna put you on game and I'm gonna give you a prescription. And there's something in ancient text called a gnosis, spelled G-N-O-S-I-S. David, I love that you know everything that I know. <laughs> I don't meet a lot of people who are like, that's, you know what I mean? That's, that's dope. Anyway. Now let the good people know what that means. Let yeah, exactly. Know. So a um, gnosis means knowledge. And then a Gnostic, or when you hear people say agnostic, that's where that term comes from. But a Gnostic is these people who actually taught Christians. They were like the most wisest of wise. So before Christianity was created, the Gnostics were the people who put everybody on game to use our language, right? So anyway, I was like, I'm about to get next level on this stuff. So I went to UCLA. I took a course on neuroscience. I went to Stanford and I took a course on like 
culture and human behavior. And then I read The Power Right Now and I read, uh, I mean, I can go on and on and on. From all those books, what I was able to do is really extract a playbook that really works for me. And I guess my point of bringing up the uh, Gnostics or your being knowledgeable is that I met with a junior strategist the other week, beautiful sister. She's like super, super dope. And I was like, yo, I was like, do you know any other black female strategist in the advertising industry? And she said, no. I was like, I, I know a sister who runs Netflix. I'll send her a note so you can connect. And she says, well, how did you become where you are now? And I, I answer her in a very simple way. And this is the same way that you know, I think what you asked the question for me is I said, I decided that I wasn't going to be outread. That was it. I was like, I'm going to read everything there is to know about anxiety, depression. I literally read the DSM. Really? Absolutely. Yeah, <laughs> I read DSM three. But 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 bro, when when you're trapped in the closet with agoraphobia, you don't want to live like that. Bro, I, I was missing birthdays, missing you missing life. Three years? Three years of missing life? Not going to concerts, overweight knowing that someday I wanted to be who I am now, I I went ham on the knowledge because I believe that was the only way. I mean, it's like finance. Who that's remarkably successful in finance learned that from a school exclusively? No one. Right. School is literally just the beginning. You get your MBA, congratulations. After that, you got a whole <laughs> other journey. You know what I mean? So people get their PhD, and after the PhD, that's when you actually start to study and experiment. Yeah. So I, I hope that resonates with the men that are listening, because don't underestimate the power of the ability to educate yourself. And don't sleep on the fact that in 2023, soon 2024, it's a knowledge economy exclusively. And the world is designed to confuse you. It, it is actually heading in a direction where the ignorant will perish. Come on. <laughs> Come on. Black Beyond Measure honors and elevates Black creators, artists, entrepreneurs, and others in the Black community. Target holds the community front and center, supporting their products, ambitions, and efforts and people behind them, encouraging them to thrive. Understanding more about myself and about my wellness helps feed my inner glow. For me, that's a day at the beach listening to the waves. That's it. That's all I need. And honestly, it can look different every day for every other person, but that literally allows me to recharge and get grounded. And those intentional moments of self-care allow me to show up for others. And being there for others is foundational to my practice. Also, connecting with Black men every week has been amazing. I love how these stories have poured into me. I've learned from them and therefore been able to provide it to our community. And it's given us space to enjoy the soft life. Ah, the soft life. Community support is everything. And Target understands what it means to invest, uplift, and celebrate community. Learn more at target.com slash black beyond measure. So facts, 
fast. So when we say hashtag, if you know, you know, you better know, or you'll be in mm. the the camps in LA. I, I'm not trying mm. to scare people, but I'm being su- this, this is I'm, I'm firing shots right now. Because because I, I need people to, to to understand this. If you don't know the tax codes, what happens? You overpay. Right. Knowledge. W.E.B. Du Bois, Frederick Douglass. What did they have? Knowledge. That knowledge. Yeah. No, you're so right. You're so right. And touching on how we're moving in this economy and how we're moving in terms of technological advances. Right now, everybody's talking about AI, generative AI, chat GPT. Because there's always a fear. There's always a fear. It's it's a human, it's just a human condition. It goes back to the fight or flight. That which is unknown, you become afraid of. However, someone like yourself, where you have embraced the challenge of I will continuously learn and apparently outlearn <laughs> others, you've you've embraced a challenge in effect of saying, well, this is something new. I'm excited to learn about it. It's not, I fear it, I challenge accepted. And now we're gonna move and we're gonna learn how to empower oneself with this new knowledge. How can I better myself? How can I, to the point of servitude and leadership, even on a on a family level, when you know I speak to other folks on, on this podcast and just hear about things, you know, out in, you know, social and, you know, digitally where you start hearing about service and leadership when it comes to personal development. And I, I feel some folks may get overwhelmed by that notion because it's, oh my God, well, how am I going to lead and, and serve, you know, all of these people that's, that's not in my DNA or that's not my purpose. But what if you have a family? What if you're in a relationship? What if you're raising a young one? What if you are still single and still finding yourself? There's service to yourself. And I always say, serve yourself so that you can serve others. So like, as you did, I I feel like you are a shining example of that. Serve yourself in order to be able to serve others. When these new advances pop up, don't shy away from it. Be intrigued. Be curious. Why? How? How is that going to impact? And as you hear, you know, as media does, put out all of the, you know, red flags and the doomsday headlines, look at the positive benefits. Look how quickly you can build a business, how you can get grasp more knowledge, how you can further yourself, better yourself. You don't know what you don't know. Let's embrace the unknown so that we can better ourselves collectively and share the knowledge of, of what we gain. And when it came to meditating, because this is this is one thing I'm a huge believer in, I want to make sure people feel it's attainable. You also alluded to Christianity and Christianity uh, mm-hmm. references. So it sounds like you're either of the faith, knowledgeable of it, because I feel like a lot of those in the Christian faith shy away from meditation mm-hmm. because they say that's new world. That is, you know, that's, that's not us. That that's some old, you know, woo woo out there, but it sounds like you've embraced that 
among other things, which I, I can just feel, I, I can understand from the books you've referenced, how deep you've gone. And I'd love to talk mm-hmm. to you personally yeah. offline about that. However, I want to make it approachable because meditation is something that helped me. Uh, I was depressed for a mm. number of years. I, I can't even, I don't even know the specific window of time, but it was at least, I don't know, two, three years, I keep saying. So I think that's pretty accurate. A long time to be depressed, brother. I'm, I'm glad you're better. Thank you. And meditation helped. And I just, like you did, I started learning about meditation, like, oh, there, you can meditate this way, you can meditate mm-hmm. that way. Wait, you can meditate a hundred different ways to Sunday. If you can, you know, reaffirm yeah. that to let people know it's it's easy to do. It's science backed. There's so many, so much research that just continues to come out to support meditation. And I'd love for you to just speak on how you approached it. Yeah, man, you are definitely next level because you're one of the only people that I've talked to that also knows that you can meditate a hundred different ways. Most people don't know that. Yeah. Well, the easiest way to say it is the meditation is not not thinking. And that's the biggest first mistake that people assume. It's like saying like, I ain't flexible. I can't do yoga. Well, (laughs) it's okay. You can do yoga without being flexible as well. So the easiest way to break it down is like, A practice is something that you do repetitively over and over again. You can Google that right now, and it'll tell you that a practice is something that you do repetitively over and over again. Through a practice, you receive a series of results. And the results that you will receive from the attempt of meditating, which we'll get here to a moment, is a calmer central nervous system, lower cortisol, which is a stress hormone, healing the amygdala, which is where a lot of trauma is triggered and and stored. And I can go on with the neuroscience, but I'll try to be easy on that. So that's the importance of a practice, meaning that you do it one day for 20 seconds. That's a win. You do it the next day for 20 seconds. That's a win. You do it for seven weeks, 20 seconds at a time. That's a win. You do it Monday, Wednesday, Friday for 20 seconds each. That's also a win. So the way that I like to teach meditation to people is something really super simple. Imagine that you're in the desert and you're laying on your back in the sand so that you have that feeling of being surrounded by warmth. You could also say that you're laying on your back in the ocean so that it's buoyant or in the pool. And if you look up at the sky, you've seen this since you were born. Clouds come and go come and go, come and go. When you're anxious, having a panic attack, or you're just on TikTok, scroll, 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 or or at work or in traffic, (laughs) you're going to have 30,000 clouds in a day. Clouds just coming by, coming by, coming by, coming by, coming by. What meditation will allow you to do, which is focusing on one cloud at a time and observing that cloud going from right to left, if the wind was going in that direction. The act of slowing down your thoughts and observing your thoughts allows you to create that separation. That separation then creates healing, it creates space, it allows you the ability to concentrate. Couple things that are happening. We talk about this proliferation of ADHD. Where do we think it's coming from? The phone. The apps are gamified to make you have ADHD so that you scroll more. That's literally the truth and how it works. 
So meditation, whether you're doing a breathing focused meditation, a visual meditation with your eyes open, candles, music, humming, chants, counting numbers, colors, all the things that, that, that I know that you, you, you know, the act of just taking five deep breaths in, five deep breaths out, etc., any form of meditation with a practice literally will transform your life. And it really helps you become more productive and more solvent in your thoughts and your speaking ability and in your cognitive ability. Because we got to remember that this thing is a computer and it needs time to rest, just like you have to update your OS on your Apple um, or on your Android, the brain needs the same thing. So I hope I did a decent job of just talking about meditation in a super simple way. But to your point, not religious. And yes, I am a Christian, but it's not religious. It is scientific in terms of the benefits that it does for the brain. You don't have to be a certain gender. You don't have to be a certain race and you don't have to be from a certain country. The Vedic traditions of India go thousands of years back as the innovators of the practice. However, in Africa, because I think it's important, Africa is never brought up when some of the most amazing things in the whole world come from Africa. Meditation has roots through Africa first, through Asia, and of course, through Europe and the Americas. Now, you did an amazing job. It was calming just to hear. <laughs> and I, I gave myself that moment just to go through that, that simple yeah. visualization with the clouds. I forgot about that one. That that was one from, you know, one meditation 101. So I love that you brought that here. And again, it is it's that simple that I hope folks are empowered to take action on after listening and watching this because it is one of those you make it a practice, you will have profound results. It has helped me so much. It sounds like it's helped you so much. One of the next things I, I do want to get into as we do every episode, because as with this, I, I always love to leave listeners, viewers with some type of action and some firsthand action and examples of what you do. What does a typical day in wellness look like for James? Yeah. The, so the ultimate day for me is... Um my morning meditation that I always do, but then two yoga nidras in addition to that. Yoga nidra is a laying down meditation that takes you into theta state, which is a deeper guided meditation. But it's like getting up in the morning, doing my regular 10 minute meditation, being in nature with some sort of really dope hike slash workout, two yoga nidras, if I can get them in, sweet green salad with double chicken, lots of hydration and crazy amounts of Robert Glasper. Ooh. And yeah, I mean that, and then I like to be a, 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 alone a lot. So like the meditation, the two Nidras, the dope hike, the sweet green, the Robert Glasper, bro, I'm good. I'm straight. <laughs> Man, you made me feel good. I, whew. That's a whole day. That that is that is vibe on vibe on vibe right there. I, I love it. I love it. And me, yeah, I'm an ambivert. I mean, I'm a Gemini, so I love my personal time, and then I love to show up and show out and peacock yes. when I need to. <laughs> but then I need to yeah. I need to recoup. So I need to get into my you know back into my mental calm yeah. state. I love that. I love that, 
James, there's a lot here that I want to talk to you about. I specifically want to bring you back for part two because we haven't even scratched the surface as it relates to what you do with Mm -hmm. corporate wellness, what you do with the Advertising Alliance for Mental Health, which folks can look up you know, when they look you up on the gram and such and and go to your website, which I will give you a moment to let the good people know about. But there's so much there. And I feel like especially what we mentioned a few moments ago about just this new pandemic that that's taking hold as as it relates to mental health. And we all got to (laughs) work. We all got to work. I really want to dive into that and bring you back for that. So one, I'm putting you on the spot here because I'm, I'm hopeful Please, that yeah, you say yes. You. And two, I yeah, like I said, I, I think it's important. I, I think we spend so much time, I forget what the statistic is, but we spend so much time at work as part of our livelihood. We need to ensure that we're, you know, that we're there mentally, that we're there physically, mm-hmm. that we're there emotionally. Um, there was something, I think the one stat that, that I do remember is, you know, 69, 70% of folks are impacted by their boss in terms of if they're going to like their job, love their job, get stressed out by their job. It's by that one person, allowing that one person to control. I'm going to stop there because I'm, I'm ready to jump into that conversation, but I'd love to have you back. And I'm, I'm glad you said yes to bring you back for part two. In the meantime, if there is anything or any things you want to share with the good people, stage is yours. Yeah, thank you, David. Definitely an honor to come back. Love this conversation. Again, I we we really resonate in a lot of really unique and powerful ways. So shout out to you on your journey as well, man. I know. Thank you, brother. Three-ish years of being depressed. That's a long time to be depressed. It it, it it's 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 an eternity. So I'm I'm thankful you're on the other side. And um, this is a beautiful platform that we need because the way that we're having this conversation isn't clinical. And it's approachable and it's realistic. Right. And that's that's what people really have to embrace and understand. So I'm, I'm thankful that we can both be conduits for people to lean into that. But for those of you listening, just go to advertisingmentalhealth.com. Super simple. Sign up and you get a weekly meditation and affirmation from me that comes to your inbox every single Monday. It's a completely free platform. You don't have to be in the advertising um, industry. And I think that's the best way to connect with me. Uh, I want to be mindful to like Beautiful. follow whatever TikTok, Instagram. Yeah, yeah, I got all that. But if people really want to connect with me, then they should hear my voice and they should hear me teach meditation and speak words of faith um, and purpose into people. So my recommendation is if you really want to get right on the mental health perspective, breathe with me, listen to me, affirm you and your life. And that's the best way to actually connect with me. I love that, James. I love that. (laughs) Respect on that one. All right, good people. You heard him. Connect with him there. If you want to go on the gram and connect with him, you can do that. Simply his name. Yep. James Nicholas Kinney. Do the same. Get in tune and eventually get in touch. In the meantime, folks, don't forget to tell another brother, king or queen about man to man so we can keep the wellness revolution going. Plus, if you want to hear from someone like James, hit me up on Instagram at Waziki, W-A-S-I-C-K-I. Give us those five star reviews. Leave a dope review. 
Let's keep the movement moving, as I like to say. Until next week, I think this is very fitting to end it. Peace, love, and wellness.